Everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, double CCA and Cisco Press author, and I want to welcome you to episode number 70 of the Broadcast Storm. And this is a really special episode, one unlike we've ever done before, because it's the first time we're doing a live interview. I've got one of the top gun Cisco trainers in the industry, I would say. And when I say that, probably no more than then four or five names come to mind, and his is one of those names, and I am blessed to call him a dear friend. It is Anthony Sequera. Anthony, welcome to the Broadcast Storm. Thanks so much, Kevin Wallace. I am thrilled to be here. As I told you, gosh, I guess it was maybe a month ago now, I was driving, commuting to my office and listening to the Broadcast Storm, and I think I called you right after and just gave you uh, such compliments on this incredible podcast that you've created. And by the way, you got you came up with the greatest name for a podcast ever. The broadcast storm is just so cool. Oh, love it. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, I know that uh, you and I, we've known each other. I was thinking yesterday, it goes back to I think late 2000 since we've been uh, we've been friends and been working together in some capacity or the other. And uh, I know you're currently at uh, CBT Nuggets, and you're going to be talking a little bit later about some of the things you're working on there. But I was just thinking about some of the products you've been coming out with lately, and some of the things that that, that I'm doing. And I think there's um, they don't really overlap that much, but they really complement one another. For example, just I guess maybe about a month ago, uh, I did a post on the brand new. Well, just announced, it's not even out yet, but the uh, newly announced Collaboration Lab that Cisco announced. Uh, with the new Collaboration Lab version 2.0, it goes live July the 23rd. They've completely redrawn, redone the structure of the CCA Lab for collaboration. Now, they used to say troubleshooting is integrated into the lab. In other words, things were broken when the students set foot into the lab and they would just have to fix it as part of meeting their tasks. But now, in the Collaboration Lab, they have a section where you can spend an hour or so, and it's dedicated to just solving multiple trouble tickets. And I was researching that. I realized, you know, this is a lot like what's going on in the route switch, i.e. And I know you've done some specific training helping students get ready for that troubleshooting section of the route switch, i.e. lab. So as as our first of many topics today, I'd love it if you would just chat for a bit about the structure of the route switch, IE lab, what the troubleshooting section looks like, and and how you advise uh, how you advise your students to get ready for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I w- I was figuring that they would take this idea and port it over to the other CCIE tracks. So I'm not surprised to learn that collaboration has this format, and it got me to thinking, Kevin, about all the formats of the lab exam that we've seen. Uh, I remember, well, probably when you did route switch, it was physical gear sitting there right in front of you, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know when our good friend Keith Barker took it, he literally, I I think he's so uh, long in the tooth when it comes to CCIE. I think he even got points for cabling the gear. You got some points if you cabled it upright. Lots has changed. And with the route switch today, as you alluded to, there is a separate troubleshooting section. It's so unique, actually. There are three sections, Kev, of route switch now. You begin with a two-hour, and I put that in little air quotes, air bunnies. There's a two-hour troubleshooting module. Then you go to a one-hour diagnostic module. Then you go to a five-hour 
uh, configuration section, what we would consider like the classic CCIE lab, where you have all your protocols and services that you must configure. So it's very, very unique. And I put the little air quotes around two-hour troubleshooting because in the route switch, you can do something quite interesting. You can borrow up to 30 minutes of time from your configuration section. So if you are in the troubleshooting section and you're struggling, you can opt to steal up to 30 minutes from config. I mean, very unique. Now, on the other side of the coin, if you were really incredibly fast at your troubleshooting and you were to finish that section in, let's say, an hour, you just gained an hour in your configuration section. Hmm. So you know, strategically, and you and I both love to emphasize strategy, I know, when we're talking something like CCIE, because strategy is so often overlooked, and clearly it's critical. Uh, it, it really, you know, has some strategy implications for sure, that this section is variable in length based on your performance. Um, I might also note here that the diagnostic section is fixed. So that is a fixed duration of one hour. And that leads to some frustration because imagine the student that does really well in that section, and then they just have to sit there and stare at the screen because that is a fixed one hour duration. So it's a very interesting format. Um, I can see you and you may have some questions for me already on, on the format. Yeah, I, I'm curious about one thing. You were talking about uh, how we could, if we're struggling with troubleshooting, we can borrow, did you say, as much as uh, half an hour from from the from the classic, the configuration section? That's exactly right. We're, we're doing, uh, am I correct? Because this is the way I was reading about it with the collaboration, but I haven't looked into it with Route Switch. Are you doing that blind? In other words, uh, you don't really have you don't really have a view of what the configuration section looks like. I remember when I take the lab or when I've taken it in the past, you've got the big binder sitting on your desk and uh, you're able to look through and, oh, here's everything I have to do all day long. Do you not get that binder? Do you not know exactly what you're doing until you finish uh, the troubleshooting? So if you want to borrow, you're kind of doing it at a risk of actually having no idea what was on the uh, the configuration section. Super, super question. So the great news is you begin the troubleshooting section and you see your virtual devices and your trouble tickets. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation clearly is the student just start going to work, you know, ticket one. All right, let's find out what's wrong. Find out how we're going to fix it. And your, your countdown timer starts so you do not have to blindly make the decision to borrow time. You would only borrow time if you needed it. So, you know, okay. they structured that in a very, very fair manner. Well, is, um, is the topology that you're troubleshooting the same topology that you're going to be configuring or are those different? Is it virtual? Uh, how, how does that work? Is it the same? Okay. If you mess something up on troubleshooting, is it going to impact you when you're you're doing your config. Excellent. Yeah, another excellent question. So the great news is when you begin your troubleshooting section, you have access to a massive topology. In route switch, it is substantially larger than your config topology. So it is different. 
completely different. And it's a large topology. Now, a question I frequently get is why is the topology so large? Well, the topology is so large because the average number of tickets you're going to see is 10 trouble tickets. And Cisco needed to ensure that all 10, let's say you get 10, okay? They needed to make sure that all 10 trouble tickets are completely and totally independent of each other. So that's one of the reasons the topology is so big. So every trouble ticket is independent. You're working in this really big, you know, let's call it 30 device topology in the troubleshooting section. When you're done, that topology goes away. You begin your diagnostic section, which is one hour with no device access. You're just looking at documentation and maybe router output, you know, and things of that nature. There is no device access in the diagnostic. And then you start your third module, which is the config module. And that is a unique topology and does not reflect troubleshooting at all. Interesting. And I would imagine... I would imagine they'll take a very similar, if not identical, approach in collaboration. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm wondering this for my collaboration students as well, and how I can best advise them uh, post July 23rd. But that is is preparing for it. Uh, I know in the past when I prepared for my labs, I'll get a bunch of practice labs and I'll just go through them and I'll try to build my speed. I'll work on strategy about how I can group similar tasks together. And when it, when it comes to troubleshooting, it's, it's kind of like Cisco used to say with collaboration, it's integrated into the lab. You're going to hit some troubles, whether, whether you inject them yourself or whether Cisco does ahead of time. How do you recommend that somebody prepare for this? Is just going through a bunch of labs sufficient for being ready to, to tackle the troubleshooting section, or should they have some sort of focused troubleshooting practice? And, and what would that look like? I would most definitely approach this now as three separate exams. So the learner I would recommend spend uh, quite a bit of time developing and perfecting and testing their two-hour troubleshooting section. Treat that like its own independent exam. Then take a similar approach, working through testing a strategy that they will use for the diagnostic section. And then, of course, same thing for the configuration section, get their strategy, test their strategy, you know, for that section. So I would really break it down and develop specific strategies for each section. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, as, as we were talking about this, I thought, you know, we could probably fill up an entire episode uh, just talking about the, the IE lab. But since this is such a rare opportunity, there are a few other topics that, uh, that I'd love to chat about. And one of them, which I'm very much a newbie on, and I know that you're much, much more advanced. So I'm, I'm interested in learning a bit more about this myself. And that's, uh, that's AWS, uh, Amazon Web Services for years. I've had my S3 account, but that's about where it stops. Uh, I know that that cloud is going to be such a it's just going to change the way that a lot of enterprises do business. No longer do they necessarily have to have a data center sitting on the second floor and keep it air conditioned and keep all everything updated because we can just let Amazon or people like that take care of 
take care of all the maintenance. So can you talk a little bit about your, your AWS training? I don't even know what sort of certifications are out there or what's popular in, uh, in that cloud world. So uh, anything you, you can share with us about, uh, about cloud and AWS, love to hear it. Yes, for sure. So it's funny you mentioned S3 and that you have uh, an S3 bucket in Amazon. Uh, why that struck me as funny is that is like their first ever service. So, you know, they started with storage services in S3 in the cloud, and that's why most people know S3. But my goodness, have things changed now? Um, one of the reasons so many people are starting to talk about uh, AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or IBM's cloud is because all of these vendors are starting to provide as a service offerings for anything you might need to do in IT. In fact, the, the new buzz term, instead of software as a service or infrastructure as a service or platform as a service, one of the new buzzwords, Kevin, is XAAS. Have you seen that? And that stands for everything as a service. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because from the smallest task to the largest task, there's a service in one of these cloud vendors offering that would help you. And I'll give two quick examples. A very small example might be Amazon Web Service Kinesis. You have a bunch of security cameras and they're streaming data and you want help taking that streaming data, maybe analyzing it and then storing it. So that's a relatively small piece of IT. In fact, it starts to encroach an Internet of Things but, you know, it's a relatively small piece and you decide, oh, Amazon Web Services has their Kinesis feature. It'll help me with all this data streaming from my cameras and you use them for that. On the other end of the spectrum, maybe you need to do some machine learning. Maybe you want to do some natural language translation or maybe you want to do some intense image analysis and you're interested in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Well, that's a pretty big job, to say the least, and Amazon Web Services can do that for you. One example that kind of blew my mind was Cornell University uh, recently just used Amazon Web Services for some machine learning uh, natural language translation. And over the course of a weekend, they spun up over one million processor cores. And they had all of all of the analysis complete over 48 hours. And at one point, they had like 1.1 million processor cores working on that project. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the expense of somebody wanting to do that in-house instead of instead of leveraging the cloud. That is that's amazing. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, our listeners might be hearing about cloud and, and how this kind of stuff is possible. But I'm thinking or they might be wondering about certifications. We spend a lot of time talking about planning out our career and what certifications to get after one after the other. Where do we start? And if we want to go down the cloud path, competitive, if we look at the competitive landscape right now, AWS certifications, are they are they hot right now? Would you recommend something else in the cloud space? Uh, what uh, if, if somebody has an interest in this and they, they want to go down that and kind of focus on that in their IT career, uh, what would you recommend in terms of certification or study or, or just next steps? Yeah, great question. And, and it's super great timing 
because, uh, first of all, the market leader in public cloud is Amazon Web Services. Now, Google Cloud is making inroads. Azure is getting hotter all the time. IBM still trucking along. Even like Oracle Cloud is gaining market share. But the clear-cut leader is still AWS, and their certifications are by far the hottest certs still in cloud. Uh, and why I said it's perfect timing is they finally released a certification, Kev, that's kind of the ICND1, CCENT equivalent. So they finally released an entry-level cert that's a great starting point, and it's called the AWS Cloud Practitioner Certification. And about, oh, I'd say a couple months ago now, uh, here, we are, of course, are in March 2018. So more towards the beginning of 2018, I recorded uh, the complete training course for that certification with CBT Nuggets. So that would be a great starting point for someone. Well, actually, let's back up the truck a moment. CompTIA has done a great job with cloud certs. So they have a vendor neutral certification I completed with CBT called uh, Cloud Essentials. So that's your vendor neutral entry point. And then when you want to dive into, let's say, AWS specific, that certification is the cloud practitioner. So there are excellent entry level starter certs to build a foundation and then, just like with Cisco, Kev, you pick your specialty track. In Amazon Web Services, the tracks are Solutions Architect, Systems uh, Operations or SysOps, Developer, you know, so they have tracks geared toward what your role would be in the cloud. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and sp uh, you were talking about some of the uh, some of the training you've recently done with CBT Nuggets. I noticed, uh, or we were recently talking about the fact that we kind of independently started doing the same thing in parallel in terms of uh, some live training uh, or some some training that we can give on a monthly basis where people can interact with us uh, directly. And I wanted to chat with you about about your offering. I know personally. A few years ago, I tried to do the one-on-one -on -one mentoring thing, and I would uh, I would tell people that yeah, if you're working on your IE or something like that, we can talk together. I can be your accountability partner. We, if you want to discuss technical topics, we can uh, we can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with that. Uh, we can uh, map out some strategies, and that worked fairly well. I mean, I love the time on the phone that I had with uh, individuals, but scheduling got to be just a real hassle when I, when several people and myself, we had to all agree on, okay, I'll talk to you at this time and I'll talk to you at this time. And there was cancer. I, it just got to be a mess. So I thought, okay, I really, really like working with people individually and seeing that, that growth uh, from, from month to month with them. So what I, I decided to do was offer a group, uh, sort of a group mentoring program that I called Diver Down Routing and Switching. Diver Down, uh, I used the the uh, the icon of the uh, you know the, the the red flag with the white stripe on it, like uh, you're, there's a diver under the water that you see flying on boats because we dive deep into those routing and switching topics. And I was you and I were talking, and you're doing something somewhat similar. For CCI route switch candidates, I think you call it your your CCI route switch personal training group. 
And I know we've got a lot of listeners that are going down the route switch track. They're going after their IE. I'd love it if you would share with us a little bit about your personal training group. Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, when I saw your diver down group and uh, I was so blown away by it, I said, you know, one of the things I really missed was I needed to kind of brand this as clever as Kevin did. So mine has been rebranded and it is the CCIE route switch prep club. And uh, just think Fight Club, but with all <laughs> all the violence and uh, absolute strangeness of that movie. Uh, so the, the <laughs> prep club is, is uh, over at my blog, AJSnetworking.com. And if they scroll to the bottom, they'll see the uh, prep club. In fact, they'll see the soap, the bar of soap with uh, prep club written on it instead of Fight Club. <laughs> and um, what, what happened, Kev, was like you... I would I really be hammered at the blog site with very specific questions about CCIE route switch. And I just can't justify there's just not enough time in the day to answer those questions. There just isn't. So it gave me the idea to create a exclusive 75 member total study group uh, and really foster not only me answering questions for the group, but group members getting to know each other and helping each other. And I am so proud to say that is exactly what is happening with this. Um, the, the members of the group want to know about each other personally, where they're located and they're they're just we we formed a really nice private study club, and uh, yeah, just super super happy about it. Um, the spots are filling up, but for your listeners, I am going to leave it at the introductory price of nine dollars and ninety five cents a month. <laughs> wow, um, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that price is going to change. But uh, for your listeners, you know, I'm going to leave it that way for uh, the next couple of weeks here in March 2018. But then I will raise the price. And the other obvious thing that's going to happen is I'm capping this thing at the 75 seats. And that's that. So, you know, the reason being, Kev, clearly is that if it were to grow big, then it loses the ability to collaborate effectively. You know, so... Exactly. That's a great point. In fact, right now, if somebody wanted to get into Diver Down, I would have to have to apologetically tell them that uh, it's closed right now. We've had the doors closed on that one for about a month. I had a capacity of about 100 members. And the reason I could have it that large is for our monthly membership. Not everybody, obviously, is going to show up for a webinar on uh, 2 p.m. Yeah. on a Saturday. So it's by having 100 members total, that keeps the live audience at a size where so far I'm, I'm pleased to say I've been able to answer everybody's questions live and nobody has to like, Oh, I didn't get to my question today. I want to be able to help everybody that, that shows up. And it, I, I love your strategy of, of capping it so that it becomes manageable. Cause yeah, I ran into the same issue you did. I love what you said. There's simply not enough time in the day. We could spend all day, every day, just, just answering, uh, just answering questions coming into our, our blog and our social media channels. So uh, a big thank you on behalf of my listeners for, for leaving this at the introductory price for the next couple of weeks or so. And 
hope they'll take advantage of that. I'm anxious to go out and see the bar of soap myself. I did not know about the rebrand. That's really, really cool. Uh, I guess one other thing I wanted to chat about, uh, not terribly Cisco centric, but, uh, you and I talk about a lot of things that we, we chat from time to time. And now you and I are both big, uh, Anthony Robbins fans, uh, or Tony Robbins, if you prefer. And that's something I think that, that sort of slips into our training. We have a lot of personal development that shows up in our training. In fact, on New Year's Day, I did, I actually recorded a class live on New Year's Day. I, th I think it went for about five hours where we talked about how to, how to map out your IT career. And I used that and created a course from it, but I just let it, oh, for anybody that could attend, I just let it be free and people showed up and, and people stayed for about five hours. And we talked a lot about, uh, a lot about goal setting and a lot about uh, planning for the future, a lot about time management. I know that Anthony Robbins teaches time management in the form of RPM, results-oriented, uh, purpose-driven, massive action plan, he calls it. Uh, I know you've been to, to one or more seminars. I've been to about three seminars. So I, I thought it would be fun just to kind of get, get your take on, uh, on what you've personally learned from, from Tony Robbins, his materials, or any kind of other personal development stuff that, that you'd like to share with our group or maybe recommend a resource that they go check out. Because I, I, try, to, I try to keep this podcast not just technical, but actually want people to be a success, not just in their career, but, but in life. I th think those things work, uh, work together hand in hand. So uh, tell us about uh, your experience with, with, with Tony and the whole personal development space, if you would. Yeah, well, you actually mentioned one of my favorite programs, and that was his time management program. Uh, the RPM system, it, it's really funny when you make these discoveries in materials like Tony Robbins, where you're like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. How did I not even think of that myself? Like, you know, it just seems so obvious. And one of the ones that really struck me in his RPM, you know, kind of time management system, and boy, it's so much more than that, you know, to call that series of training uh, sessions just on time management, that's really not what it is. It's much more than that. But anyways, one of the revelations that I came to out of that was I found that with a lot of my goals and a lot of my quote unquote projects, I hadn't really clearly thought about the why. Why was I doing it? And I'll give a concrete example that might interest our learners. I was uh, attempting to pursue and acquire a second CCIE in the area of security. And I was really struggling with it. After going through the Tony Robbins program on RPM, I realized, oh my gosh, I know why I'm struggling with this. I don't have a clear cut reason why I'm doing it. A jealousy of your two CCIEs and Keith Barker's two CCIEs was part of it. And to do something like that because I'm envious of my dear friends that doesn't make the grade. Um, sure, I would love to have a second CCIE in security, but I did not have concrete whys in place for that pursuit. And sure enough, it was why I was failing, <laughs> both the lab and failing to like carve out study time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we can often have these lofty goals or even smaller goals and we kind of forget to really look at why are we doing it? And 
that's hugely important. When you do Diver Down, I guarantee you the why was to help students. And that was a big part of it, to effectively help students. If it was just about a revenue generation goal, well, then you never would have capped membership. <laughs> so yeah. that like gives me an insight into, okay, obviously a big part of the why was you want to set up a system that can effectively help students. And so I just think we should always stop and say, why are we doing what we're doing? And, you know, it's, it's little pieces like that that I get from a Tony Robbins that blow my mind because that does seem like kind of common sense, but I think we can often overlook it. That is really insightful. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and as, uh, yeah, as you were saying, well, you were talking about, uh, about capping it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny that the value I think a member is getting is way, way more than what they're paying a month. But just by putting that little barrier to entry right there, that dramatically cuts down on the people that are really all in, that are willing to invest a little chunk of money because they, they're really serious about this. I mean, if I were, if I were myself a few years back in my early career and were able to take advantage of, uh, let's see, uh, I started to say fight club. It's your, your prep club or something like that. That that, that would be a no brainer. Yeah. It's, it's worth this investment to uplevel your peer group for one thing, to be around people that are like-minded, that are, that are willing to, that are willing to, to put a little bit of skin uh, in the game, put a little bit of money on the line. So yeah, uh, I think, I think by capping it as, as we're doing, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're doing a service and I, I feel really good about it. And I'm, I'm uh, thrilled to hear about the success of your, of your prep club as well. Well, we have been going for a while here, and I know that that we each have uh, other things to do today, so I'll we'll start to wrap it up here. But I'll give you the final word. Are there any other projects you're working on you'd like to share with our listeners, or uh, just any anything else you'd like to like to talk about in closing? Sure, sure. Well, there's two things I'm excited about uh, for the rest of the day. Uh, I am, you know. We released some nuggets at CBT Nuggets, Kev, on CCIE Route Switch, and they just didn't, they didn't resonate uh, really with us as the trainers or even the learners, and we're going to archive those. And what we're doing instead, and I'll be working on that today, as I said, and I'm super excited, uh, excited about it, is we're doing super deep dives protocol-based. So I am currently doing a series of modules dedicated to BGP. And we're not calling these CCIE because they would be relevant for CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, CCDE. I do Juniper demonstrations, so they would be relevant to the Juniper community. So we're just doing super, super deep dives, protocol-based, and I am so incredibly excited about that. I decided to start with BGP because when I was learning these protocols, BGP was my Achilles heel. (laughs) So I figured, let me start with a protocol that was really brutal for me to learn. I'll probably do OSPF next because that is certainly warranting a deep dive as well. The other thing that I'm excited about today is I just got the Kylo Ren TIE Fighter Lego set. So this evening, my daughter and I will be hard at work on that masterpiece. Um, I find that 
that uh, in my spare time, I, I hate to admit it, I'm such a nerd. You and I have talked about this at length. Uh, I'm a bigger Star Wars fan than ever. That is awesome. Love it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I guess next week the uh, the episode eight comes out on uh, digital next week, and it's going to have a lot of deleted scenes. So I'm hoping a lot of deleted scenes that I, that are that'll be showing up on digital will fill in a lot of the questions I've had about the movie. Because as you and I discussed, had a few frustrations with episode uh, episode eight. Anxious for episode yeah. nine now. Yeah, that's why I'll never be your level of super fan. Because if I get to your level, then I'll start to question things in the film. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, we could go off on Star Wars and talk for another hour, but we'll not do that. But uh, Anthony, my friend, I want to thank you for giving us a, a half hour of your super valuable time. You have you've given me a lot of insights and, and food for thought. And uh, on behalf of my listeners, I want to give you just a, a huge thank you for joining us today. And on that note, we will go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Broadcast Storm. For those of you that are listening in the show notes, I'll put links that Anthony mentioned in the show, links to his uh, CCA Route Switch Prep Club. We'll have a link in there. We'll have a link to his blog as well. And uh, be sure to check him out over at CBT Nuggets with all the great content that he's coming out with. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The Broadcast Storm.